Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs along with Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Hey, Casey, it's nice to be back in the radio studio where no one can see us because uh, I have a face for radio. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I have uh, other body parts suited to radio. Yeah, I love your PJs <laughs> that you're wearing. It really brings out the red in your cheeks. And you, Mr. Mason, look like you just finished a shift on the oil fields. I'm not sure what that even really looks like, but... <laughs> yeah, are you just saying that I look dirty? <laughs> I guess so. Because uh, I spent a summer of my 18th birthday working at a bar in Midland, Texas. That's what everyone <laughs> looked like there. I don't know if I believe that. I <laughs> Thank God you don't. <laughs> Either way, this is going nowhere, just like you and I. So let's give a big shout out to all of our Progressive Voices tune-in listeners and those of you listening on all other listening platforms. Well, Shane, I didn't think I'd ever say this, but today I want to welcome you to our drug show. All right, so drugs is in illegal drugs or drugs as in medicine drugs? Well, it depends on your definition of illegal drugs. To be specific, a gigantic overnight increase in the price of a 62-year-old drug that is the standard of care for treating a life-threatening parasitic infection. That's one. Okay. On the other hand, we'll talk about a recent California bill requiring drug labeling in five foreign languages. And the high cost of prescription drugs is killing Americans. All right. So how's that for a depressing lineup? I think I'm going to need a drink after that, speaking of drugs. Yeah, exactly. But good news. We'll talk to RN Martha Cool from National Nurses United about the reasons nurses are lining up in support of presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Should be fairly obvious, <laughs> however. All this and more on today's show. Shane, I did notice when you pulled up in the parking lot, you weren't driving your Beamer. What the heck is the car? Is it a loner? No, I traded the Beamer in. You traded the Beamer in? Why? <laughs> I got a Fiat Pope-mobile. <laughs> it's got all the bells and whistles the Pope had in his. The windshield Does it come with the hat? Yeah, no, it's it's got the top off so the hat will fit. The windshield wiper <laughs> fluid is holy water. <laughs> and it runs on... Karma or whatever the hell the Catholic rosary beads. Is. Rosary beads, yeah. <laughs> but Shane, let's get serious now. On the line with us is Sarah DeGia from the California Pan Ethnic Health Network. Sarah and her organization work to get new labeling law that requires five foreign languages on prescription drugs. Sarah, welcome to the show. Please tell us briefly about your organization. Sure, and thank you so much for having me. Um, so the California Pan Ethnic Health Network, otherwise known as EPEN. We are a multicultural health advocacy organization, and our focus is on improving the health of communities of color in California. And we have been working on um, this issue for the past couple of years and really happy to know that the bill is um, sitting on the governor's desk, hopefully waiting his um, signature. Great. So do you mind giving us just a little bit of background of AB 1073, which is the drug labeling law? Sure. So... The original legislation that looked at this issue, we know that medical adherence among actually English speakers as well as individuals that have limited English proficiency or who don't speak English very well, it's, it has been a problem for many, many years. And the first attempt to look at this was actually in 2007, um, and it directed the Board of Pharmacy to help address um, and have standard patient labels so that people could better understand what their medications were um, asking them to do. Um, but at that time, the political will wasn't strong enough to pass legislation that actually required pharmacies to translate the labels themselves. With the passage of the Affordable Care Act, an additional 1.5 million individuals who have limited English proficiency were, are going to supposedly have access to health care coverage. And so we really felt like it was time 
to then move forward and make sure that we have those prescription drug labels in other languages as well. So you said supposedly um, with the Affordable Care Act bringing on more um, English, limited English proficiency patients, did that occur? Have you seen an increase? We have. We, we continue to monitor the numbers. Um, we know that um, among some populations, you know, we're still struggling to get individuals enrolled. I think, you know, it's a challenge. It's a whole new culture um, to, to be required to have health insurance. Um, and, you know, people are still having some challenges in terms of getting enrolled. But, you know, in Medi-Cal, for example, we saw a, a really large number of individuals um, getting that coverage that they needed. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of individuals get enrolled through Covered California, which is California's um, marketplace exchange. We now have, I think, over one, definitely over 1 million individuals. I think it's about 1.3 million who are enrolled through Covered California as well. So wow. we still have a lot of work to do. Um, the estimates showed that about 1.5 million individuals would be limited English proficient. Um, I, I don't have the exact numbers about where we are, but we're definitely doing great. We just we need to you know keep up the good work. And you chose those five languages how? Yeah, so these five languages were actually chosen by the Board of Pharmacy. They worked with national researchers to develop very standardized, very specific instructions for use to you know help people understand how to take their medications. As I said, it's, I think everyone has a challenge taking their medications at times uh, because sometimes the instructions are just very vague. You know, take once a day. And people don't really have a sense of should I take it at the same time? Should I take it with food? Should I take it at night? So these national researchers worked with the Board of Pharmacy to develop very standard instructions. Take one in the morning or take one at nighttime. And what they did was they then translated these five, the, the instructions for youth, they translated them into the top five languages that were actually based on national language, national numbers, not necessarily California numbers. Um, and so those um, five languages were then, they took the instructions for youth, they translated them into the five languages, and they used qualified, you know, competent interpreters um, in kind of a group interpretation setting where, you know, three different people did interpretations. They came together. Um, they talked about the translations to see, you know, how to overcome some of the differences because, you know, people speak different types of dialects um, and from different countries. So they tried to really look at all of those um, dialects and account for them. And then they translated them into the five languages, which are available on the Board of Pharmacy's website. What are the five? Yeah, so the five languages are, it's Chinese, Korean, Russian, Spanish, and Vietnamese. And the only difference in California is that Tagalog, which is a Philippine um, dialect, that's one of the top five languages in California, but it did not hit the national threshold, so that's the only one that's not translated in um, in oh, California. Wow, that kind of seems... Yeah, but I think a lot of Tagalog speakers, more Tagalog speakers speak, than other speak English. English. You're right. But that's Sarah, true. let me ask you, I want to play devil's advocate uh, for a second. What would you like to say to the people that think maybe this is burdensome, uh, and why five? Why not 30? Why not Latin? Like, why... You know? Sure, no, I... 
We, um, you know, in terms of this not being necessary, I mean, I think, you know, we're at a point in time, again, where even within California, we have, you know, close to 7 million individuals who don't speak English very well. And we already know, again, that, you know, medical adherence is hard enough for people who speak English. And then you add on language barriers on top of that. And it, what we're really talking about is people's health and people's you know, quality of life and their well-being. As a physician and as a pharmacist, we want to make sure that our patients, that patients have the best ability to be as healthy as they possibly can. And so, you know, most times the translations are pretty standardized. You know, they're translated once and then they're available for use, you know, time and time again. So while there may be like a one-time cost to do the translation, over time, you're going to make up for that because you may have small tweaks or changes that need to be done over time. But but really, it's one language that's being you know translated or a couple languages being translated um, one time or maybe a few times. Um, you know, we would love to have 30 or 200 languages being um, translated. We also know that um, we have to kind of take this sometimes you know one step at a time. Um, you know, we we start we often start in language access with this you know, numbers, the, the top, um, the highest number of people that we can reach, and over time then try to add on to the various different languages. We also oftentimes work in, um, you know, the ability to have interpretation services. So while somebody may not be able to have the written um, translation on their, on their prescription drug, with some of the languages that are maybe not as common, um, there are interpretation services, so somebody can help interpret um, the, 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 the label as well. But we, I mean, we would love to have, and we're hoping to, over time, you know, make sure that we have more and more translations that are available. So the thought is maybe if we get these top five, as people see how easy it is that they'll continue to do more and more. And I just have one question about that. So is it a computer program that just prints out the drug label? You had to get translators, but aren't there computer programs that just translate for you? You can flip your computer to Spanish and it says it all in Spanish. And isn't that how they would print out the labels or is it more complicated? So it's probably a little bit more complicated. I think we, um, you know, for, for as we're looking at um, translations, we know that it's actually really good to have somebody who is qualified, who understands how to do um the right types of translations. A computer, you know, could make mistakes. Hmm. It would be bad if your drug label said, take this with yeah. or bourbon. If it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that would be bad. Or if automatically in a computer, I kind of get what you're talking about because in any language, you know, I see this in English, there is a certain amount of slang and a computer program isn't going to pick up any nuance. And uh, I would think particularly around medicines and the type of language that you're using is a little bit more complicated. So I could see the need for that. Yeah, so we're, we're hopeful that the, the pharmacies will actually use a human eye to review the translations, um, incorporate them into the computer, and then the computer could then generate them you know, going forward. Um, that's why we really appreciated the Board of Pharmacies translations that they have available on their website because they were developed by humans. They were developed by these qualified interpreters who talked about them, who really kind of wrestled with some of the nuance. Um, and then, you know, even having those available for, for patients, I think, would be really a, a great step. So we're, we, you know, we, there is flexibility in the legislation for pharmacies to be able to 
develop the, the translations as they see fit. However, they are still, you know, on the hook for making sure that they're qualified, that they're good quality translations. Sure. Great. Well, we really appreciate the information, uh, Sarah, and we will have uh, this topic up. You can see it at nursetalksite.com or cpehn.org. Uh, we really appreciate it, Sarah. We'll be right back to talk about why nurses are lining up in support of presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. You're listening to Nurse Talk Radio. Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange, then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place, making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie. Is that an old plumbing manual? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, honey. We really need to get some new books. Right, um, do, do you want me to stop? Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends. Okay. Tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and crescent wrench. <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. There's hundreds of fun and simple things you and your family can do to live a healthier lifestyle. Here's 20 of them. Eat less, eat slower, eat smarter, eat your fruits and veggies, stop eating before you're full, up your fiber, lower your calories, get off the bus early, do some gardening, do jumping jacks, take the stairs, take one, not two, take on a new sport, take a long walk home, walk instead of drive, bend, stretch, reach for the stars, climb the monkey bars, skip the fudge bars. <sighs> Search We Can online to find more ways you and your family can get healthy together. A message from the Ad Council, HHS, and NIH's We Can program. So when you get to the corner of Smith and Orchard, you're going to want to take a you left. You are not going to Then what you're going to do is turn Marcy onto Marcy and Avenue. just broke up. And go past and the first three lights happy and then take it. the next left. I don't really think five she's more happy, blocks, but and you should be there. Who to judge, right? Park anyway, on the right. That's I'll what see I you later tonight. Night. It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty this very minute. In August of this year, National Nurses United publicly endorsed presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Noting that his issues align with nurses from top to bottom, National Nurses United, the nation's largest organization of nurses, endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders for president. Bernie Sanders has a proven track record of uncompromised activism and advocacy for working people and a message that resonates with nurses and, as we have all seen, tens of thousands of people across the country. He can talk about our issues as well as we can talk about our issues. We are proud to stand with him in his candidacy as president today, said NNU Executive Director Roseanne DeMauro. Here with us to talk about the endorsement is RN and Secretary Treasurer of National Nurses United, Martha Cool. Martha, welcome and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. So Martha, you're a frequent guest on our show, but let's remind our listeners, how long have you been a nurse and what got you into this profession? I've been a nurse for 34 years, and before that I was a nurse's aide. And as a nurse's aide, I was checking out the health professions, and to me, the number one value of nurses was caring, 
and I wanted to do that. So that's how I became a nurse. Great, great story. So let's talk about Senator Sanders supporting nurses' values. What are nurses' values, and how does or would Senator Sanders support those values? Well, we have a Vote Nurses' Values campaign, and we've had it for some time, and the values we want to share with people are caring, compassion, and community. And as National Nurses United, some time ago during the recession, we began what we called the Main Street Contract for America, as we saw what was going on with the negative changes in our society and how we saw our patients were having great difficulty on a day-to-day basis. And those values are things that Sanders shares with us, jobs at living wages, equal access to quality public education, guaranteed health care for all, dear to my heart, secure retirement, good housing, clean environment, just taxation, and racial and economic justice. Just to name a few. Um, (laughs) You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up with uh, Sanders is that he's not he doesn't have a political action committee. And he's been saying the same thing since 1989, which is refreshing. Um, He's always been talking about income inequality, which affects us every day as a nurse. Right. Don't we see people having it harder and harder to access health care, even with Obamacare? Absolutely, we do. And it's still uh, uh, unfortunate that on our jobs we see this, the consequences of the extreme wealth and income inequality that Sanders has been talking about. It's created in our society uh, real difficulty to access to care, even though uh, the ACA has made some improvements. And one of the main reasons we support Sanders is his support for Medicare for All, for health care as a human right. We think that would be a huge step forward in terms of our duty to be involved in, you know, giving people good care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And actually, the endorsement cites several reasons for supporting Sanders, and some of those are Sanders' long history of support for NNU, a 100% scorecard on a questionnaire sent to all the Democratic and Republican presidential candidates, overwhelming support for Sanders amongst NNU members in an internal poll, and Sanders' response to issues before the AFL-CIO Executive Council. All of which are so important that he does all of those things. Can you, Would you like to address any of those, Martha? Yeah, I I think that that as nurses, because we our calling is to care and help heal our uh, our patients, that sort of naturally translates into our involvement in the community and our involvement in in trying to make our society more just, so people can get better. If you have a patient like I've had the unfortunate to have, I mean they're great patients, but if they're homeless and you send them out to the street, it's very difficult for them to achieve, you know, optimum health care. And if he's been active in helping fight climate change, and we all know that climate change has had a grave impact on our health. Poor air quality creates asthma in kids. I take care of patients. I take care of children um, in, you know, other kinds of fossil fuel use and and creating disasters where RNRN has been able to respond. We have we share so many values with Sanders. And I would just add that as you said, since he's had the same positions for a long time, what you see is what you get and he has not changed his positions at all in in trying to get elected. He has not done the political thing where he waffles on his positions or takes a step back because it might not be what the establishments want. 
he is out there advocating for real change. I would so agree with you. And the other point I wanted to make was we just saw in that recent drug case where um, the medication went from $13 a pill to $750 a pill. Bernie has been talking about pharmaceutical companies and big pharma and that we're not changing the legislation. That gentleman was allowed to do that because it's legal. And Bernie has been talking about this, and this is a huge issue that we see every day with our patients, the affordability of medication. If you have to decide between heating oil and your medications, you know, it's a tough choice. And he's one of the few candidates who's not tied into big money. No, he isn't. And that's one of the other reasons we support support him. NNU is a supporter of campaign finance reform, of publicly financing elections. CNA itself has a long history of supporting that. And it's it would make a very big difference if there was a system where we were voting on actual issues and not who had the money to buy advertising or influence. Mm-hmm. It would make a big difference to everyday people. And the other thing I wanted to add, you were talking about big pharma. Bernie uh, uh, Sanders opposed the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a trade deal wow. that would have shifted jobs overseas, but also caused serious threats to food safety and pharmaceutical safety and driving, and it would have helped drive up drug prices. And that would have been a life and death issue for millions. You're right about that. Yeah. And and you've basically answered this next question, but I'd like to give you more time to talk about it. Plain devil's advocate. Why are nurses involved in politics? You've named a a couple of great reasons there and, and specifically endorsing presidential candidates. Well, that question, I was thinking about it. it, it seems wrong. Why wouldn't nurses who share the calling of caring for, for everyone's health and well-being not be involved in politics? How can you care? How can you take care? How can you advocate on a daily basis for your patients and not extend that into the community, not promote healing and recovery of, of inequality in our society? We, we, on a daily basis, we clinically assess our patients, and then we intervene. We intervene and then reassess our interventions and try again. And that's what we're doing in terms of politics. We're looking, we're assessing what's going on, and we make a plan to intervene. And then you made a plan to intervene early and endorse Sanders because we do think he's politically viable. And we believe that with our intervention, we can help create the movement that Sanders is talking about. He's not just about himself. He's about a movement to create a more just society. And I would agree with that and even say when they were talking about the Pope getting into politics, here again, that same point holds true. How could he not when this is affecting the health and welfare of people? And that is what he's about, is caring and compassion. So, of course, he's going to talk about something like climate change when he sees it affecting the poor disproportionately, as it usually does. Um, so, yeah, for people who say, why are nurses into politics and why is the Pope into politics? Because we care. We care and we see the effects daily of, of, of what's going on in terms of a transfer of wealth to a very few people, uh, over the, especially here in the United States. Income and wealth inequality is, is still uh, taking huge leaps forward. And we can't have a sustainable, just society if, if some of us, if our children don't have enough to eat, if people live in poverty, if they can't make a living wage, if they 
if if they can't if they can't deal with climate change if they don't have a choice if they if they don't have health care as a human right absolutely great points uh want to give you a chance to wrap it up is there anything else you'd like to say before we go yeah, I would. I would like to urge urge people who nurses in particular, but urge people who want more information to go to www.nationalnursesunited.org, our website, and click on the Nurses for Bernie button there for more information. There's a lot of information there, more detail on why NNU is working with Sanders to to create a to create a society where our patients can get all the care that they need. That's so great. We want to thank you, Martha, for your years as a nurse, but also for your years of advocacy because we all need that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we will put this up on uh, nursetalksite.com as well. If you want more information about this topic or anything else we've talked about, go to uh, nnu.org or nursetalksite.com. We'll be right back to talk about price gouging with healthcare reporter Donna Smith. I started going cold turkey. Well, at least when I'm in the car. I know I shouldn't do it, but it's so hard to stop. That's why I hide it from myself, so I won't be tempted. I used to do it all the time. I stopped by locking it in my glove compartment. My friend used to do it way too much. Now I turn it off when we're in the car. My solution is simple. I just don't do it. There are lots of ways to stop yourself and others from texting and driving. How will you stop? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Gianna Garrell from Progressive Voices. Today, the angry roar of the conservative media machine dominates TV and radio, threatening to drown out and push out anyone who dares to discuss our progressive perspectives and ideals. But we can't let that happen. We have too many strong, smart, and important progressive voices who need to be heard. That's why here at PV, we're building a 21st century progressive media universe, one where all the best in progressive media can come together Rise above the static and the noise and be heard by anyone, anywhere. And we need your help. We're in the middle of a critical campaign to make our dream of 21st century progressive media universe a reality. But we can't do it without grassroots support from people like you. Head over to ProgressiveVoices.com to see how you can help. Please support this important progressive mission. Because with your help, we can make sure all our progressive voices are heard. Hey, Casey, what time is it? Time to stay out of trouble. We, we are, are nurses. nurses. We, we cannot prescribe, prescribe, diagnose, or treat, but, but we, we can, can give good advice. advice. Does that include fashion advice? Nah, stick to what you're good at. You should talk. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Here with us is healthcare reporter Donna Smith. Hey, Donna, always nice to hear your voice. Can't wait to hear about the $700 saw blade. But first, let's talk about Mr. Despicable and his 5,000% increase on a drug that's been around for 62 years, and it's called Daraprim. So, Donna, let's get started. Who is this guy? <laughs> well, his name is Mark Sheckrelli. I think I'm pronouncing it right. And he's a 32-year-old former hedge fund manager. And, you know, what's interesting about uh, this fellow, if it weren't... It, he weren't so despicable. I think it would be fabulously fun to have him sit down and have a chat with Pope Francis. Oh, you? boy, that would be delicious. 
Oh, I'd love to be a listener to that, but this guy used to run a, a hedge fund company, and he left that to uh, to head up this Turing Pharmaceuticals, just what we need is this guy running a pharmaceutical company. Um, so that's that's who he is. We don't. I the only the more I know about him is that Newsweek reported last week that he's under investigation, federal investigation, not for this particular situation, but for how he operated during his time as a hedge fund manager. Go figure. Yeah. Good. I hope they get something on him. That would be delicious. I hope so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I want him to be gotten. Although the bigger question, Donna, is how could he do that? What? Well, interesting, isn't it? He he jacks up the price of a, a life-saving drug. You know, where if, for those who don't who've been not listening, he um, to the the major media outlets talking about this. He jacked up that price to from thirteen dollars and fifty cents a pill to seven hundred and fifty dollars a pill. When asked why he did it, he claimed that he's a capitalist and he just likes capitalism. <laughs> uh, but what was interesting was if you looked at the kinds of uh, illnesses for which the drug is used to treat, $750 a pop would mean $75,000 for a course of treatment. Um, it's just ridiculous. And how can he do it? Why can he do it? Because there's currently no real rules or regulations about what pharmaceutical companies can charge. It's kind of whatever the traffic will bear. And that's that's one of the real problems in our healthcare system right now. Wow. He, he did it because he could. Yeah. And because he's not the only one. This He no. really is the face of pharmaceutical companies that are doing this right and left. And you're right. There's no regulations around this stuff. Which, Donna, goes back to my other point of isn't Bernie Sanders one of the only candidates who's going to stop this kind of behavior and pass some legislation? Well, he certainly uh, he certainly says that's part of what he wants to do. Now, I do notice that, that this particular situation caused Hillary Clinton to also step up and say that if, if she were elected president, that one of the first things she would try and accomplish is make sure that Medicare could negotiate drug prices. Now, how ludicrous is this? that we have the Medicare program cannot negotiate drug prices. Even the private insurance companies can negotiate with these pharmaceutical companies. Even Canada can negotiate <laughs> Even with Canada, them. Even Canada, but not Medicare. Wow. And it's just crazy. It costs us so much money. And people, people sometimes attribute to the Medicare program or to other programs misuse of, you know, that they, they cost too much, they're, 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 they're breaking us and they're breaking our system and so forth. You know, the reality is some of these pharmaceutical companies are really taking deep advantage of government programs like yeah. Medicare. Absolutely. We need to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little worrisome to me because I just started charging the lady next door $1,000 to mow her lawn. But I, guess <laughs> I... <laughs> I knew you would. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the amazing part is she's paying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ever since she broke her hip. Ever since she broke her hip, it was like... Around the sidewalk. Yeah, I got her wherever I want her. So (laughs) speaking of high prices, last week you shared a story with us about asking for itemized hospital bills, and you also talked about something called a charge master. So can you talk about those things briefly? Sure, absolutely. A, a charge master. A charge master is what the hospitals know and keep behind the scenes. That's a list of all the items billable to a patient or a patient's health insurance company. 
And usually those charge masters contain really highly inflated prices that are several times higher than any actual cost that the hospital paid. And the reason I gave that example last week of the $700 saw blade, I, you know, I fell into the same trap that many patients do sometimes. Sometimes when my insurance company would pay a bill, I felt like it wasn't as important for me to look it over, see what was on it, pay attention to what I was being charged. And after my knee replacement, I just decided, I think I'm going to take a look at this itemized bill. And I looked at it and I saw a $700 saw blade on it. And I, I did. I called the hospital and I said, I want it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, maybe Thanksgiving dinner we need a good saw blade. I don't know. You know, this $700, it's got to look like something really neat, doesn't it? You it know, does. I, my 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 friend did something that I saw. I've got a friend who needed a cholecystectomy. He has like, he was having gallbladder issues, and they were going to take his gallbladder out. And he called up two different hospitals and just pushed and pushed and pushed until he got how much it was. Pitted them against each other, and it <laughs> went from by the end of, he paid like five grand for this uh, surgery that initially was going to be eleven or twelve grand, and he had no That's insurance. For him. And he had no insurance. Yeah. And see, so this is brilliant. And, you know, Donna, what you said last week about itemized bill really makes a lot of sense. If if every single person asked for an itemized bill and actually went over it like you did and called them to task, it would create a change. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, we, I use that example because it's so outrageous. And I love the example that, that, Shane, that you're giving about the friend talking with the hospitals about it. But until all of us demand that they tell us what they're charging us for services, whether it's a $200 Tylenol or whatever it is, they're not going to be held to task. And and we have to be smart about it. I don't like to call us consumers because I think that that makes healthcare sound like the business that it's not. And nurses know that. You know, it's a healing. It's a place where we go to be healed and made healthy. And we don't want to have to be business people in this transaction, but in reality, we need to take a look at what these hospitals and other providers are charging us for things and demand that they be fair. And it, it also ties nicely into the presidential, um, you know, the debates that we're having now. Instead of debating these issues and what would they do about big pharma and what would they do about income equality, they're pitting each other. You know, when I watch the Republican debate, it's so-and-so said this about you. What do you have to say to him? It's this constant infighting. And then we never get down to the real issue like this. Exactly. I and would love them one, to have to discuss this. I tell people this. this all the time. This is not a Republican or Democratic issue. It it's is not, not a liberal or conservative. This is a human issue. And it's impacting all of us in the taxes that we pay. It's impacting all of us in what we pay for our health care. And it's not, it's not right. We all need to take ownership of the problem and whether we go at it from the aspect of, of the costs that are, are happening or whether we go at it from making sure our nurses are, are treated fairly by their employers and compensated for the value that they do give this health care system instead of compensating people like this doofus who's taking advantage of everybody to the tune of more than 5,000% increase on a drug. Yeah. Which, by the way, that, that drug costs $1 a pill to make. So awesome. even at $13, that was a hell of a markup. Yeah, yeah apparently that was not a profit for our, our friend Mark. We that wasn't enough of a profit. That was enough. So Donna, switching topics uh, briefly, uh, can you keep us apprised of open enrollment? Is that going on now or when can people uh, sign yes. up? Yes, 
and you know it's not fully uh we're not fully into all the open enrollment periods yet uh medicare the medicare open enrollment starts october 15th so get ready for the mailboxes to fill with okay. all the advantage plan information and supplemental plan information that will be coming into those who uh, would like to sign up for Medicare or who are eligible to sign up for Medicare. Um, the open enrollment for Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act on the exchanges doesn't start until November 1st, but it is not too early in either of those cases. In fact, it would be optimal for people to go to either your exchange website or healthcare.gov and take a look at what, what plans are out there that you may want to be involved in. In terms of Medicare, you can go just go to the Medicare website, go to, to Medicare.gov, and take a look at what the various, you can plug in which meds you take, you can plug in if there are certain doctors that you really, it's important that you can still see them, all those things. You can plug those things in and get a good look at what is it that I want to sign up for. So whether you're a Medicare recipient or about to be one, or whether you are um, one of the others, like me, who needs to sign up through an exchange, Start checking it out now. Don't wait until the last minute so that you can have some control over what's happening. That's always good information. I wanted to go back to something else you said, that um, medicine as a business, essentially we have privatized medicine at this point, and what we'd like to do is go to a single-payer system because it shouldn't be about being a business, and it wouldn't be about being a business if we took the money out and took insurance companies out. And made Absolutely. it something that everybody, and it would be good for business. This is the part I don't get. Why Republicans aren't for this? Because if you had single payer, no employer would have to pay for this. And that's easily one of their largest costs of running a business. Absolutely. You're so, you're, you're on the money as usual. You know, it just, if the reality is there's been so much vilification of the words single payer as if it's socialized medicine and it's a terrible thing. Yeah. But if people think about Medicare, which is a good example of this kind of one single payer system that this country has, it's not socialized medicine. You can you everybody pays into one system. All the claims are paid out of the Medicare program, but you still choose what doctor you go to, what provider you go to, what hospital you go to. And believe me, they're not going to not make money under that kind of plan. They'll do just fine. Will they have horrendous profits like this young man wants to do with his drug? No. They won't have those kinds of profits, but they'll have perfectly adequate profits to have a great health care system plus better transparency so we all know what are the most effective ways of handling things. If we don't start tackling this at this point, we will see all services, including nursing care, take a hit as the profits become more and more and more important. Yeah, I, I just can't say enough. And one of the reasons I think that businesses don't go for this, um, I, and I think businesses do go for this, but big pharma and um, all the insurance companies have such huge lobbies yep. and so many people in their pockets. And again, I say uh, there's one candidate who's not tied into any of that money. That's true. And, you know, Bernie Sanders, and I say this at a time when I very much want a woman to be the president of the United States. Before I die, I really want to see that happen. Me too. But more importantly, I want to see the best policies possible for this country. And we don't have the best policies when the lobbyists are determining what they will be. And, you know, we need to have somebody, whether it's Bernie Sanders or whether it's someone else like Bernie, who can stand up to these people and say, no, we're not going to do that. We will not shaft people along the way in order to make the very few wealthy. And his not taking PAC money and not taking money from 
from giant firms and so forth is the best indication that this guy he's walking the he's he's walking the talk. A- absolutely. What about Carly? You don't want to go for a Oh god no. I want a woman <laughs> desperately, but Donna, we can agree on this, not Fiorini. <laughs> you're not you're uh, uh, Shane, you're not telling this woman you're doing the, you know, uh, doing the lawn mowing for us. <laughs> she'd hire me. She'd be like, that is the kind of guy I want in my campaign. That's right, Shane. She oh, would sign face. you Don't up once she knew that. Donald Trump about the face. I mean, I thought how ridiculous that, you know, I, you know, you look over at that and you think, please, can we stop talking about whether it's hair or face? Yes. Or who's, Thank doesn't you. matter to me. What matters to me is whether or not these people are going to help us create the kinds of kind of country that we really want to live in and want to leave to our children. Absolutely. But also, have you seen Donald Trump's face? <laughs> I mean, of all the people. Of all the people to be making comments God. about face. Well, Scott Walker wasn't great either. For Donald to sit down with the Pope. That might be interesting. Yeah, oh, Donald be... sitting down with the Pope would be hysterical <laughs> since he thinks his book is right up under the Bible. <laughs> under the Bible? Come yeah. on. <laughs> Uh, Donna, it's always been great um, having you on the show. It's lovely. And how, how's Denver? How are you doing in the Mile well, High State? We're doing great in the Mile High City, although we could use some rain now, too. We don't, is we that don't right? You guys are getting a drought? drought? Certainly as California has, but we really have been dry. We need some mm. water. I'm hoping you have snow on the Rockies. You do, don't you? Oh, only the littlest bit so far. Oh, but the no. tree colors are gorgeous in the hills. So if you're thinking of coming here to look at the fall colors, now's the time. Wow, that's great. All right. Well, thanks, Donna. We appreciate it. We've been talking to Donna Smith, Nurse Talk's Healthcare in America reporter. For more on these topics, visit nursetalksite.com. So we'll be right back with some health-related goings-on or another. (laughs) It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Casey, I just wanted to say to you, 
that yeah. all materials related to Health Trivia are the sole responsibility of Nurse Talk LLC and are not affiliated with any network or stream service and in our show. <gasps> oh, my God. And I just thought that music made you so hyper. Yep. All right. Next up, Shane, is our health trivia question for this week is, if you're taking Allegra, what is your condition? If you know the answer to this week's question or you're the first to look it up, you can email us or call us and you'll win a $25 gift certificate to Starbucks. Email at contest at nursetalksite.com or tweet us at hashtag NT contest. That's was... so easy. What is Allegra? I mean, no. uh, it seems kind of easy, but maybe not. So what was our question last week? Um, what was it? Jeez, I don't think I have a clue about that. I have no idea. <laughs> Whoop! We that's don't know. it. We that's, don't know. That's All the right. rewind, but Jane we still don't know. Must be, we must have to switch gears now, I do yeah. believe. So switching gears here, Casey, today we're going to play a multiple choice game, and we have a contestant on the line who's going to play with this. Hello, caller. Who's on the line? Barbara. Barbara. I, I'm, I'm Hi, glad Barbara. to be on the line. How, how are you? I'm good. Where are you calling from, Barbara? I'm calling from Denver. Lovely. Lovely. Love that state. And is the weather nice? It's beautiful. It's 87 degrees. Fall colors are starting in the mountains. Oh, gorgeous. That's a gorgeous time. I hear you're having a little problem with the drought. Are you? I'm not, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought I've in Colorado it was. i water here. Oh, that's but, good. Uh, that's good. I we sure don't. Heard. We don't in California. Okay, let's play. All right, caller, and your name was Barbara. We're going to present you with a set of questions, and all you have to do is give us the answer, true or false. Okay? Sure. All right, so question number one. Researchers recently found out why babies smile. They smile because, one, they need to go potty. Two, they're hungry. Three, they're goal-oriented and they want to make others smile. Or four, they don't know they're smiling. What do you think the answer is, Barbara? Well, I uh, now you said it was true or false. That sounds like multiple choice. Is this that is, is that's that right? right? It is multiple choice. Well, and the not first question is true or false. Is this question true or false? And the answer is false, Barbara. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so listen. I know the I know the answer to this question. It's number one. I think uh, it's because they need to go potty. Okay, that is not correct, Barbara. It's number three. They're goal-oriented, and they're trying to get whoever they're interacting with to smile back. And this starts to take place when they're about four months old. That's amazing. I, I wouldn't call it goal-oriented. The baby mm. wants you to smile at him. But how, But because the baby wants to smile back. So the so baby smiles at you to get you to smile back at him. Because then it gets the little endorphin rush. Because, because it gets the endorphin rush because smiling makes you happy. And they would like the uh, happy feeling. And they want whoever their person is they're interacting with to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, okay. to, well, that's kind of amazing. Uh, it it's kind of amazing, something. and it, it happens at four months old. And what that tells you is how important it is, the the interaction. People think that babies don't get it. They totally get it. They read all the energy in the room. They don't necessarily uh, have words for it. Number two. All right, Barbara, question number two. Obesity in the U.S. is highest in which of these four states? Number one, your state there, Colorado. So look around. That'll help you a little. <laughs> Two. No, we all walk here. Okay. We all That's walk for here. Sure. Nobody's, n- no, that can't be true. Number, That's right. Okay. Our next choice is Iowa. Our third choice is West Virginia. And the fourth choice is Arkansas. This is so easy. Hmm. Mm. I think it is probably West. Did you say West Virginia? West Virginia was one of the choices, yes. Okay. And then the other one was Arkansas. Arkansas. Or Iowa. I think 
I'm just going to go with the uh, I'm Arkansas. Absolutely, it's Arkansas. Now this is easy, Yay. I say, because the southern states. Fried foods, all of the things they like have gravy and lots of uh, starch in them. So Arkansas, with a rate of 35.9% of its population is obese. Colorado, where you live, actually has the lowest rate of obesity at 21%. And that makes sense because Coloradans walk a lot. You're right. They walk, yes, they ski, we walk they hike. And we ride our bikes. And, you know, I wonder, but even stuff. still, 20% of the state is obese. That's so much that's higher gonna, than it used to be. I wonder if that's going to go up in a few years because everyone gets the munchies. <laughs> I wonder if in Colorado. But he, he, oh, even there... Good. When they get the munchies, they do it while they're hiking, Shane. Oh, that's cool. They they go out and they uh, do their recreational drugs right oh, out there in nature. you guys are as funny as I thought you were. Yes, that's us, Barbara. <laughs> You're on to us. So question okay. number three, why was the drug Daraprim, Daraprim in the news this week? Number one, because it just came out and it's having remarkable results treating cancer. Number two, because it was taken off the market. Number three, because it's being used in poor countries to treat hydration. And number four, because the price of each capsule went up 5,000% overnight. Now, what did you say the name of the drug was, and how do you spell it? Daraprim, and it's spelled D-A-R-A-P-R-I-M. Okay, and the first one, there was a, something about a cancer drug. Yeah, because it just came out, and it's having remarkable results treating cancer as number one. Okay, I am going to go. There's a lot of money in cancer drugs and research. I'm going to go for number one. Okay, that would be incorrect. It's number four. Oh, because these the, are too hard. Because the price of each capsule went up to 5,000% overnight. Well, this has been a lot in the news. Barbara, you're Barbara, correct. You know, I haven't watched the news. I've been up in the mountains uh, ah, for on vacation. Mm, that's <gasps> lovely. Oh. Your correct percentage equals roughly the obesity rate of Arkansas at 33%. That's very good, Jane. That's very good. So I'm going to tell you a little bit, Barbara, about Daraprim. It went from $13.50 a tablet to $750 per tablet. Because, How can that happen? Well, because some hedge fund shark bought the company <laughs> and then raised the price by 5,000%. He's a shark. He is a shark. That's terrible. That is terrible. What's the difference between a shark and uh, this hedge fund operator, Martin Scarelli? I don't know. What is it, Casey? Is that a question? Is that one of my questions? <laughs> Because <laughs> well, I'm would... not doing very well here. <laughs> well, the difference is the shark wears lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I think I've been disgraced, and I don't think I've won anything. But I well, unfortunately, something. you haven't won anything, Barbara. But it's been so delightful that you called to play with us. We're liberals, and well, liberals give participation. Show. I love your show. So. I that's listen right. every chance I get, oh, and thanks. I am listening on. My Progressive Voices app. Oh, that's that great. That's a great tool. That is a great yeah. tool. That's wonderful. And as Shane said, we're liberals, so we'll probably will send you a blue ribbon because we're <laughs> fond of ribbons Part- for participation. participation. Yeah, because everybody who participates gets a ribbon. Yeah. Shall I stay on the line and give the give somebody my address? Yeah, stay yes, on the line we'll... uh, stay on the line because um, maybe someone will take we, that yeah, address. We, wanna, we, we don't want to send you your last pit place trophy. <laughs> 
Thanks, you guys. It's been great. Thanks, Barbara. And love your show. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks for playing with us, caller. And thanks for listening to our show. We appreciate that, Barbara. Oh, my goodness, Shane. How could you miss Arkansas? Everybody knows the Southern. West Virginia is pretty. Well, West Virginia is down there, but it's not as low (laughs) on the map as Arkansas. And it's something with the gravity, gravitational pull of the equator, I think, that draws everybody to eat so much. Well, we just alienated two states in one sentence. That's true. So can we say anything bad about all the rest of them? (laughs) Just America as a whole. No, we don't want to do that. Okay, Shane, that's it for today. But we want to leave you with some laughs. Here are some vintage clips from the Nurse Talk Comedy Farm. In my day, safety was your responsibility. You either held tight or you went through the windshield. Now it's time for In My Day with comedian Lynn Ruth Miller. Sit back and enjoy a walk down memory lane with a twist of spice included. And now, In My Day. You know, my grandma didn't believe in drugs. She believed in nuts. She used almonds for everything. She would slip them into anything she fed us just to be sure they did their job. We found them in salads, desserts, candy, and even our underwear. She said they got rid of warts. I grew up during the Depression, and we spent the little money we had on food, not beauty products. When we saw a wrinkle in the mirror, we just gave up hope. But not my grandma. She made a paste of milk, almonds, and rosebuds and smeared it on her face every night. She looked like the ghost of the apocalypse, but she smelled like almond roca. And my grandpa loved sweets. She had 18 children, not counting the four miscarriages, and she wasn't even Catholic. She wasn't very careful either. When grandpa lost his hair, she made a paste of gooseberry juice and almond oil. It made his scalp soft as a baby's bottom. I think that's why he wore a diaper on his head. He said it was to protect him from a chill. I guess you had to be there. My Aunt Hazel had teenage anemia, and Grandma fed her almonds to build her up. It must have worked, because she went from a 32A to a 36D in one summer, and eloped with Uncle Jack in the fall. Every night, Grandma mixed almond oil with milk and made us drink it before we went to bed. She said it kept things moving. I thought that was why she and Grandpa changed neighborhoods so much, but Mama said it was because of the bill collectors. If we coughed, Grandma mixed a bubbly drink with powdered almonds and orange juice. Nowadays, we use decongestants and antihistamines, but they're not as much fun. If you drank enough of Grandma's mimosas, your cough vanished and so did your ability to stand up. We always thought Grandma's remedies cured a multitude of sins, but I think they encouraged them. What else explained those 18 kids? And I'm Lynn Ruth Miller with a handful of nuts and another edition of In My Day. Maggie, you're so nervous. Well, it's just when they close that door, I think. Jesus Christ, will I ever get out of here? When they close which door? The studio door? Yeah, yeah. And you're thinking you can't get out? Well, I know I can get out, but it's just so, so quiet and... And what? I'm supposed to act, and I don't know how to act. And... Well, you've never known how to act. You're right. That's for sure. Oh, my sister, you know, um, every catastrophe happens to her. She has leukemia. She 
has had a bad open heart. heart surgery. She yes. has a bad knee. Yes. Why well, she is nearly, yes. as you said, nearly yes. dead. She's uh, she's as much maintenance. It's a 59 Chevy right now. <laughs> I bet she is. <laughs> she broke her wrist and she got osteomyelitis and she was paying a lot, of, a lot of money for an antibiotic. So this one day she was sick and tired of the pain and the taking of the medicines. She said to the doctor, oh, Jesus, doctor, I would tell you, cut it off and give me a wooden one. But with my luck, I'd probably get termites. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she goes to as many doctors as Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley is dead. Well, I mean, when he was alive, he went around to several doctors getting medicines. And your sister goes around to different doctors? Well, getting she med- has a ton of doctors anyway, that's for sure. I see. They know her when they see her coming. <laughs> what did they say to her when they see her coming? Well, oh, now, here comes that. Yeah. Here comes that Irish wench. Yes. She's not in a good frame of mind right now. She lost her eye, you know. Well, I hope she finds it. Casey, it's not funny now. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, an eye is a terrible thing to waste. No, she had an operation. I'm just saying an eye is a terrible thing to lose. Casey, how rude of you to say that now. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, we did say laughter is the best medicine, right? I know, but her eye was removed surgically, Casey. Well, I didn't think (laughs) it just... Jesus, what did you think? She just fell out of her head? I didn't think it just fell right out of her head like a marble. Well, you acted like that. Well, I wasn't sure in your family anything could be possible. Oh, Casey, forget it. Well, I'm just saying. You ignorant slut. No, I didn't mean it like that. You're out of your mind. You're out of it. I didn't mean it like that. And now she doesn't know if Medicare will pay for a glass one or not. So the Medicare might not pay for the eye. No, they're not. And I offered, like I said, if I do good on the radio, I'll buy the eye. Oh, no. Hi, who's on the line, please? Hello, my name is Mary Ellen. Ah, Mary Ellen, what can I do for you today? Well, I had a question, and I'm not sure if you will be able to answer it for me or not. Okay, but already, Mary Ellen, I can tell that uh, Maggie's going to be able to talk to you because you sound like you might be from Ireland. That is right. What's your call about? Well, my call is that I have got very swollen legs from the groin down to the toes. Oh, my Uh God, your death is imminent for you. (laughs) Now, Magster... (laughs) Let's not start right like that. Okay, so you have swelling from your groin to your toes. Yes. Can, I, can I ask, uh, do you have any diseases? Do you yeah. have any blood pressure problems? or Social diseases, even. Social diseases? What does that have to do with swelling of the legs? You never know. Okay, Mary Ellen, so I'm sorry. What? what uh, do you have any blood pressure problems? No. No. And that, not, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't been to a doctor in over a year. Okay, so that's where we'll start. How old are you, Mary Ellen? Uh, now, you don't have to lie about your age. You're on the radio, after all. No one's going to see you. 39. 45. No, 45. And you have swelling from your groin to your toes. Now, hold on a second. This has not been recorded, is it? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, it is being recorded. You are on live radio, ma'am. Okay. But let me just tell you this. My advice to you would be, does the swelling happen all the time from your groin to your toes? No, no. Just when is it swollen? Uh, when I get up in the morning. Ah, when you get up for get a while. Then don't get up, Marietta. Stay in bed. <laughs> now, Maggie, what use would she be in bed all day? Well, put her legs up over your trunk. Yes. If you put your legs up, oh, well, Maggie does have a point. If you put your legs up, the swelling goes down, but you can't possibly stay in bed all day, can you, Mary Ellen? No, no, I'm a very yeah. busy lady. Yes. You're a very busy lady. Oh. Okay, well, being so busy, you do need to get yourself to the doctor, Mary Ellen, and I thank you for calling in. Well, I don't in. have a doctor, and I thought I was calling you to get some advice, and I didn't get any advice. <laughs> okay, Mary Ellen. So we've got our first caller. We'll give you three names. 
names, Mary Ellen, of doctors. Yeah, I didn't that's... know you were allowed to refer. Well, you know what? You uh, you you have a point there, and you sound like a, a very uh, smart, intelligent woman, a very intelligent consumer. <laughs> After all, this is a show. We we believe laughter is the best medicine. So thank you very much for yeah, your you're call. Are you telling me that if I go around laughing, it will cure my swollen legs? <laughs> I'm telling you, if you go it'll, around laughing, at least we won't const- be laughing at you. Yeah, it'll help your constipation anyway, Mary Ellen. Well, that's another problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com. For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.